Happy New Year, and welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, the twice-weekly show about the show, Too Beautiful to Live. On Fridays, we bring you fun, different episodes, but being smack dab in the middle of Honda Days, we dug up a wonderful and a appropriate for the Regretathon clip show uh, of Luke and Andrew confessing their big dog moments. But this is Monday, so we're here to bring you a rowdy rocking recap of last week's TBTL. We do have a pretty full roster today, so let's get uh, everyone introduced. I'm Mike Frizzell, hosting from the Deer Blind Studios in the Mountain Room at the Ranch in Manchac, Texas. Let me tell you who else we have on board from all over the country, starting with my bestest buddy in Phantom Big Toe Pain from Transitions Lenses slash Autocrat Coffee Milk Studios in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Am I right there, Bobby, or are you in Boston today? I am in Boston today. Like a good fundraiser, I'm spending the final days of 2017 scraping together as many pennies as possible for my work. So I'm in the Brighton neighborhood of Boston this afternoon, but uh, we'll still call it Autocrat Studios. That's fine by me. <laughs> All right. And from Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Ann Lenholm. Good day to you, Ann. Greetings from the tundra. And from yet-to-be-named studios in Lincoln Park, Michigan, it's Meredith Van Harn of Plenty. Hello, Eminem. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very well today. As always, we will roll through some LRB business, give you our hot takes on the recap, keep some house, and then let you know how to get involved. Who's handling the business today? Oh, I guess that's me. Probably because I never updated the run sheet from last time I used it. Uh, <laughs> ah, that's your then that's your punishment. <laughs> that's not a problem. So, as uh, Mike mentioned in his intro, somewhere in there. Uh, if you didn't listen to Friday's show yet, you should. It is a rerun, but if you listened to it back in July when it originally aired, it's been long enough. You can listen to it again. It is an excellent, excellent LRB clip show featuring Anne and Christy and Times, the hosts of TBTL, let the big dog out. Uh, and while we were talking about episodes that would both celebrate uh, TBTL talking about their regrets and also spare us from recording anything new, that was one of the first episodes that came to mind and by far the best episode that came to mind, especially because the other Big Dog episode has Kevin Farewell in it, and we didn't want that. So go back and listen if you haven't already. I put several minutes of effort into editing an intro <laughs> onto that, and it would mean a lot to me if you would go back and listen to it. I don't know, Bobby, if I can do it. I feel like I've heard too much of myself lately on this program. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of Anne, but nobody else is complaining. So nope, nope. Your uh, your your fans are are many out there. Uh, that's why everybody loves you, and that's why Mike made that the banner picture for the LRB Facebook page. Oh, that's so sweet. Our fans are legion, which means that um, Andrew will never be able to remember the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have merch available. Uh, obviously, it's too late for Christmas, but if you order it now, it'll definitely be there in time for Christmas next year. Also, someone yeah. in your life. Someone, well, maybe not for Christy. Well, anyone else. <laughs> someone in your life has a birthday coming up or uh, an anniversary or uh, Martin Luther King Day or a Valentine's Day or whatever. Buy or maybe stuff. a 10-year a, a anniversary show to go to. Hey, that's yeah. Cool. Be outfitted accordingly for that. So when you stand outside the rebar because you couldn't get a ticket, at least you'll be warm <laughs> in a raw hoodie. Layers, <laughs> layers, people. Um, next up is Christmas talk, but I don't know that we actually have to have Christmas talk. <laughs> Everybody survived Christmas. That's the point. Yep. Yep. 
I guess the others did too, Mike and. Yes, it well, was a great yeah. Christmas. Yeah, it was actually, a warm Christmas. Yeah, and you traveled, so why don't you make us all jealous? Oh, I. Uh, well, let's see. So the week before Christmas, I worked four shifts at the second job, so that was busy. And then at ass crack early on Christmas morning, I flew to L.A. and spent four days in L.A. with my family and. Uh, all in service of meeting the new baby, of course. And I won't be one of those people who was like, oh, he was just so perfect. He was the cutest baby I've ever seen. But it's not far from the truth. He's he's a really <laughs> adorable little guy. I saw the picture. He is adorable. Mm-hmm. You can brag on him. He's your nephew. As someone pointed out that you managed to restrain yourself from taking a bite out of his corndog head. <laughs> oh, it was so hard. <laughs> I just wanted to chew that little face off. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'll go next. We we spent a couple of weekends in a row between Buffalo and Rochester and visiting with family. And we got to do something on Christmas that I've never actually done on Christmas Day before that was fun, which is because of the way the family scheduling worked out. We just were free on lunch uh, for Christmas. So Sam and I took my mother to a Chinese food restaurant and lived the full we didn't get the goose. That would have been a step too far. But um, Christmas was great. We did that. We saw family. We saw The Last Jedi. I'd be happy if we got to spend every Christmas that way. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go next because uh, Meredith is kind of uh, news related, but we just had a regular holiday here. Um, Emily's parents came. Uh, her, her uncle was supposed to come, but he wasn't feeling well. So that sucked because he's a great guy. Um and they were here for about four days, and Cullen actually surprised as he came home a little early. He was on vacation with his, the other side of the family in New Orleans, but he popped in on Christmas Eve and then came over for Christmas Day, and a lot of excellent meals were prepared and eaten. I can't keep up the eating pace with these people. I just can't do it. They have to have three full meals every day, and I just <laughs> cannot do it. Like, I forgot what it was like to be hungry while they were here and it's always that way when i'm around them but so uh they're gone and i'm back to eating one full meal and a couple snacks a day and just preparing meals for emily and not participating <laughs> in, in some of those meals so uh so yeah it was fun it was uh good having them here at the our first christmas at the ranch that sounds great well so my news um I actually did have a really lovely Christmas, but I should explain myself a little bit. Um, first of all, my, my radical location change. I'm back in Michigan. Uh, it's true. And if you're my friend on Facebook, you may have noticed that my last name has changed. <laughs> and that's because I'm getting a divorce. Um, it's nothing I want to get into the details of. There's nothing salacious or, or dramatic going on. But I wanted to let you guys know that it was happening. And I am moving back to Michigan permanently. Um, and uh, Duff will be staying in Dallas. Um, and unfortunately, Eddie will be staying with him because I just don't know what my uh, dog care situation will be. That's the the second question I get every time I bring mm -hmm. this up. Where's Eddie? <laughs> Is right. Eddie coming? <laughs> yeah, I was I'm fine, all over guys. that. I was like, oh, <laughs> if she can't have Eddie, that sucks. I know. And it does suck. That's that's really, really sad. But uh, Eddie is is better off in in that house with that yard. And mm -hmm. uh, Duff will be able to afford to put him in daycare and have sitters for him and stuff. And and, uh, you know, Eddie's been a little bit sickly 
Um, and I've been keeping up on that. The vet and Duff have been keeping me informed. And he had uh, pancreatitis. Um, he had to be in the emergency vet for a while. And he keeps having these episodes with his stomach. So it's just better for him to be there. And it, it makes me very sad, but I think it's better for the dog. Um, and so that's what's most important to me. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll be in Michigan and I'm going to go back to Dallas in a couple weeks to get the rest of my stuff and have a real fun two-day drive back up to Michigan with three cats in my car. So oh, boy. I'm really looking for That's the next hurdle um, <laughs> that I'm really dreading is, is, pa- is packing up the rest of my stuff and driving for two days with cats. I did it once. I did it on the way there. And I vowed I would never do it again. And here I am. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's painful and it sucks. But I think it'll be uh, best for everybody in the end. So that's what's going on. So where do you plan on settling um, permanently in Michigan, or do you know? Well, I'm in the Detroit area right now. I'm living with some friends who have a spare room, and I'm welcome to stay here as long as necessary, and so are the cats. Um, so, And it's cheap, and it's winter, and I'm not interested in house hunting in the winter. So <laughs> for the mm-hmm. foreseeable future, I'll be here. I, I I don't really have any immediate plans. As long as it's a good situation roommate-wise, uh, I'll, I'll stick this out as long as I can for super cheap rent. Um, I'm pretty close to my office. So I, I wouldn't mind being in the actual city of Detroit. Um, there are... Uh, neighborhoods that are getting more and more safe. You might be and the first person ever still... who said that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I love it there. I love the city. Um, I spent some time there uh, before Christmas in an Airbnb, and I was just like, yes, this is what I want. This is the neighborhood I want to be in. It's called Woodbridge. It's these gorgeous old houses, and uh, it's very, very close to work. I could theoretically not have a car. Um, well, that's not true. Not to, I wouldn't have to walk. I wouldn't have to drive to work. Um, but you can't really survive in De- Detroit very easily without a car. So. Detroit has some of the um, worst public transit ever, right? I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. Oh, on purpose. I mean, the audio, auto industry has totally killed yeah. that on purpose. You know, yeah. they don't want public transportation. They did install a uh, light rail that goes um, not very far at all, but apparently it's semi-useful and an improvement over nothing. So th- things are looking up in Detroit. I- I'm excited to be here. I really like this city. Um, I'm not thrilled about the cold. It's really, really, really cold right now. Yes, and, yes, it uh, is. And my blood is is still thin. I'm not uh, acclimated to this yet. Um, so I've been having a hard time. But good news is that my Subaru has remote start and heated seats and a heated steering wheel. So I've been making great use <laughs> of that. So I'm I'm actually very excited uh, to set up my life and and kind of start over. Um, I've got a lot of good friends here. I've got coworkers. I'm going to go back to the office to work. So I'm really I'm really actually uh, very optimistic about this. And Duff and I are on really good terms. We're working everything out. It's very amicable. Um, if you're friends with him, stay friends with him. He's a good person. Um, so yeah. Well, the most important thing is uh, we got another co-host in play, guys. So it's. Uh, <laughs> Let's get those lewd pictures going in some DMs. You know, you know the ladies love those. Oh no, no! Please don't do that. <laughs> Kidding, I kid. Uh, it's been a light week for throw your phone moments. Although uh, it seems that on the Facebook page, anyway, and by the Facebook page, I mean the Stens page, not ours. Ours has been a little sleepy, but that's okay. People are generally tickled by the regrets episodes, and we'll get mm-hmm. into that more as we break them down. Um, and I'm assuming you're the one who updated the Throw Your Phone page. Do you want to tell us about these? Um, yeah. I, I feel like this is a topic that we should at least address on the show now that some of us have calmed down about it a little bit. 
And um, that was the announcement the previous week of the location for the live show. And we got a couple of comments from Wagoneers about that. And I, and I think it would be a good thing to just, you know, put our two cents in on that. So Summer said, my throw your phone moment is actually a throw your monitor moment as I was using my work computer at the time. I went to buy tickets to the 10th anniversary show less than 24 hours after they went on sale and they're already sold out. I truly wanted mm-hmm. to pick the monitor up, chuck it across the room and throw myself to the ground, kicking and screaming in a massive grown up temper tantrum. My tester, uh, parenthetically sister, who is also a 10 and I have been Excited and waiting anxiously for the details as we miss the 2000th show because she was busy having a baby. I'm hoping they realize that they chose too small of a venue and changed the location, but I'm not holding my breath. A very bummed power out. And uh, in a similar vein, Mackenzie sent us a throw your phone that says the cavalier way of talking about the tickets being sold out. I get that there are only so many tickets to the show, but some of us have to plan for plane tickets and time off. We can't just buy tickets on a whim. And we're really bummed that we didn't even get a choice to go. So I know what I think about this. I think we're all in agreement here. Can I read what I wrote back? Sure. to To Mackenzie? Yeah. Um. I'm about as angry as a person who isn't even able to go could possibly be, Mackenzie. They put off making their plan too long, didn't have the confidence to book a theater. Even a large movie theater would have been super available in the film release Wasteland of January. Uh, refused to move off a weekend evening date time and possibly lacked willingness to pimp tickets. So they went down a path to a tiny, probably too hot and crowded venue that sold out before probably 75% of fans had even heard the announcement. Shame on everyone involved. I hope we can pull up the cow catcher on our negativity plane before we record the next recap, but I doubt it. I truly believe that a live LRB show could have sold out that room, and we have a goddamn fraction of their audience. We love you, Jen. Serenity right fucking now. I was mad when I wrote that, and it was like three days after it sold out, I was still mad. Mm-hmm. You still it's, sound it, mad. It was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I. So I came to sort of a realization about myself, having listened to an entire uh, episode of clips of me yelling about things, that <laughs> <laughs> the time that I, um, the times that I really actually get angry at Luke and Andrew, and not the times when I'm annoyed or I'm pissed off or they're being stupid, but the times that I get angry is when I feel like they're treating their fans in a way that their fans don't deserve. You know, and I'm not even talking about myself. I don't care. But us as a community, I feel like this show is built on the fans due to Jen's hard work, and it's what really makes it special. And Mm -hmm. when they are so, like Mackenzie said, so cavalier. And there was a really nice moment uh, during this week that we're going to be talking about where they talked about how truly grateful they are for all their fans. And I'm really glad that they said that because they... They're so sensitive and they get upset at people and Andrew takes meanings from Facebook comments that he shouldn't and Luke gets snippy and how's your podcast at people. And I I just feel when they do this, then that really makes me angry that they just 
screwed a whole bunch of people who would like to be there for this event. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something thoughtful to add. <clears throat> but really Me too, but you two said it yeah. really well. I mean, I think this between the throw your phones and what you guys said, that's how we're all feeling about this. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, waited a day to think about it because I obviously have a lot going on and I am going to Dallas the weekend before the um, show. And to go from a, you know, two day drive with cats and then dump them in a new place and turn around and go to Seattle. I was sort of like, I don't know if I should do that. And I hesitated and then they were sold out. And now yeah, your decision go. was made for you. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And, you know, we are speaking on behalf of all the fans. That That's what this show is all about, you know, because I mean, I could just, you know, say, Luke, I, I we need to get in and he would give let emily and i in and so it's not me i was just so mad on behalf of the fans like shaking mad about it mm-hmm. it's it's such a stupid idea to have and, them and, that small yeah some, some you know friends of our shows have been uh you know nagging them to get this taken care of for months mm-hmm. you know we knew the show was coming <laughs> we knew that their anniversary was coming yeah it's not a surprise well, yeah. it's not like we don't have professional event planners on this show, including Christina's right. in Seattle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that makes it even harder to swallow. Yeah. And I thought because they told us the date, you know, a week in advance or something, I went ahead and bought my plane ticket so that I would have that ready to yeah. go. Mm-hmm. And if Christy and Phyllis hadn't gotten on the chat and started talking about it and christy was like get your tickets now get your tickets now this is a really small venue i might have waited till the next morning and then i would have had a plane ticket and no ability to see the show just a lot of a lot of lrb gear outside the venue. <laughs> yep <laughs> i did the same thing uh the minute i saw it pop up in our sort of group chat i stopped what i was doing i was working actually i think i was hosting trivia and like between asking questions, was it my laptop trying to work through that shitty, shitty brown paper ticket site to make sure I had my seat? Because I knew, and I guess that's the only thing, this is not an insult to the listeners at all or our listeners or TBTLs because um, you shouldn't have to think this way. But maybe I'm just such a cynical asshole that I saw that conversation happening and I thought, well, I better buy my ticket because this is going to be a shit show. Mm. the minute i saw someone say oh it's in a bar i immediately thought well there's no bar big enough in seattle for this yeah so i don't even know what bar this is but i know it's going to be a problem and so i stopped and i was doing about my ticket and the only reaction i've had to the outrage other than agreeing with it is um i guess this isn't really a surprise (laughs) like i just wasn't shocked i was disappointed but i wasn't as shocked as some people because we knew it was late in the game and and also we kind of knew that all the other big venues for that date were taken because once they said the date we started looking around and saying well this comedian's at that hall and that act is at that hall and where the fuck is this thing right and the fact that i thought oh i better get a plane ticket now just is another indication of how long they left this like i was afraid that plane tickets would get too expensive because it was so close to the date already how can yep. you possibly think there's a decent venue that's still going to be uh, available to rent a month before the thing happens? Yeah. Yeah, all the legions must have been taken with retirement parties. And... <laughs> oh, God. 
the local area already had three funerals lined up. So, and a couple robberies. Late Christmas parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we usually get robbed on Saturday night. It's not not good. Uh, so I think the lesson here is that we're just as disappointed as you are, everyone, even mm-hmm. those of us who got tickets, because it's not going to be what we want it to be. Because not everyone can be there, and that's sad. Uh, but on the other hand, since they're going to be podcasting for 22 straight hours before the show starts, it might be a disaster before it even gets there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I feel like we can feel fairly certain that it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, I mean, it's already a disaster. It's not like they're <laughs> going to sleep up until the point where they get on the bus. Andrew's going to be up the whole day freaking out and being anxious about it anyway. So he's yeah. going to be tired and stressed out to start with. I did want to ask them, this is really a conversation I shouldn't be having while we're recording, but I did want to ask them if they wanted to invite some of us on, like in the middle, to just do mm-hmm. a live Little Red Bandwagon criticizing their first 12 hours. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, boy, that's third hour sucked so bad. I mean, plus they could take a nap, take a shower, whatever. We could just jump right. on and rip them apart. Let's I see David and Carrie being <laughs> instrumental in getting them a, some, some shut eye. Yeah. Uh, but with that, we should probably get to our weekend review, huh? Oh, why kind not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Monday, number 2540. Everybody's got their unicycle. And I think everyone is glad that Kamarikev is back for this week of shows. He's their holiday guy, which they say. He, mm-hmm. he missed last year, right? But he's been on for a few years now, and he's always really fun and delightful. And uh, Luke says that, now he and Camaro Kev have a voting majority because Andrew is this holiday humbug, but they're really excited <laughs> for the holiday. So now we all have no choice but to be excited for the upcoming holidays on this show. Uh, then they talk about how people criticize President Obama for not ever saying Merry Christmas. I guess it was, we're bringing Merry Christmas back. And that caused Chris Hayes to make a supercut of President Obama saying Merry Christmas 87 times in his eight years <laughs> in office. So I thought that was pretty funny. I wish they would have played that. It's such a great image of him sitting in an editing bay, just, you know, <laughs> smiling as he gets another one. No, here's another one. Here's another one. See, that's audio content that I would listen to and enjoy on this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so as we all know by now, the plan is to talk about their regrets over their life. Uh, they sort of um, think about whether it was easier or harder than they thought it would be to come up with regrets. And they decided that it was hard to not go dark on the regrets, which I thought for myself too, as I was thinking about my own regrets, I was like, God, what kind of story would I even come up with that wouldn't like make me super sad Which on the exactly show? exactly why we're not right. doing that bit for this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have a lot of funny regrets in my life. Um, but we start with a good one, although it's one that I hope everybody is familiar with. Luke's regret that he embraced the unicycle, both as transportation, he says, and the way to get attention. I call bullshit on the transportation thing. I think it was 100% to get attention. And I don't blame him. Come on, when you're 10 years old, you think the unicycle is the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, nobody can 
nobody front on that and say that they always thought that unicycles were stupid because you didn't. You thought they were cool when you were in elementary but school. But what he's ashamed of is is the performative aspect of it, I'm sure. That right. He just wanted other people to acknowledge how cool he was, which no one ever did. Right. Well, when when I was that age, I would just ride my bike past the girl's house that I liked over and over and over, and I had three shitty bikes, and I would rotate <laughs> Um, you know, all these hand-me-down bikes to show how rich I was. And uh, and if I'd, if I'd had a unicycle, I probably would have done that. And probably she might have come out and said, what the fuck are you, what is this? Where, where'd all your shitty bikes go? I carried June Constantine. a used briefcase in lieu of a backpack for like a solid year. In oh, Bobby, that is so cute. Bobby. <laughs> You've always been 80. Yep. Yep. Had some Ritz crackers and an apple in there. Yeah, half a sandwich and some breadcrumbs for the birds. Some <laughs> Werther's. <laughs> oh, God. Well, one. the unicycle all came about when the Seattle schools decided to move to non-competitive sports, i.e. juggling and unicycling. Um, Scarf juggling. I, I don't know. I don't understand <laughs> any of this. I guess I was out of the country for most of elementary school, but I do not remember any of this non-competitive stuff. Maybe it's liberal Seattle. Hit that sort of thing first. Uh, there's a slight tangent by Kamara, Kevin, Andrew into what they call scooter boards. Those blue, um, low to the ground little butt scooters with the little handlebars. Oh, the finger smashers. Yeah, that's the <laughs> finger killers. Yeah. They said I remember those, but I don't. Oh yeah, they really used those later in elementary school. But whatever. So it turns out that Luke had a good aptitude for balancing, and so he really took to the unicycle, and then he took it to a new level when he found a unicycle at a garage sale that he got for like 10 bucks. And that was kind of a funny part of the discussion where he said that he assumed that a unicycle would be like thousands of dollars, and he would have had absolutely (laughs) no idea where to get one. So this was a real find. And then he spent the next however many years riding the unicycle around the neighborhood around green lake he said um andrew brings up the shirtless unicycle picture that we've seen as the show pick before and uh that just increases luke's level of regret because he's forced to admit that he was older than he remembers when he was riding the unicycle as he said he was only a couple of years away from having a child in that shirtless unicycling pick um and they talk about how Andrew and Veeves and Vanessa used to tease him pretty hard about the fact that he used a unicycle. And Andrew wants to know if Luke would regret this so much if they hadn't made fun of him so much. And he says no, but I don't know. That's got to be part of it, right? Yeah. Probably. I mean, he talks later in the week about how he doesn't. He doesn't want to know what people think. He doesn't want to hear their right. hear their criticism or whatever. So when he does hear it, it probably hits him. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, f- I feel like he he hasn't really absorbed this lesson because Andrew points out, I think, during this discussion that just a few months ago, Luke skateboarded through an airport to impress a bunch of, bunch of teens. That was so good. Andrew yes. is so insightful sometimes. I, was I like, know. Yes. And then you could hear Luke having this epiphany. Yep. On the air, like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> the skateboard, changed. The skateboard is the new unicycle. Yep. Um, that leads him into 
what I would think uh, should be the true regret of this story. I mean, the stuff that he did and the way he thought the unicycle would make him cool as a kid, I don't think he should regret that at all. But that story about when he threw the guacamole at the unicycler while he and Vanessa and Andrew and Genevieve were having the picnic and it hit the unicycler and he maybe fell off or maybe didn't. We can't quite remember. Uh, yeah, he should have regrets about that for sure. That is shockingly evil. It really is. And I, I understand where he comes from. Obviously, he's still working through a lot of stuff and he saw the unicycler and it made him think of himself and it made him ashamed that he thought that that was cool or that he was using it as a performative item and he just did it without thinking. But man, that's, that's pretty bad. Knock so the ferret mean. right off the guy's shoulder. It was a pretty good shot. <laughs> the snake around his neck could catch it, though. <laughs> right. And Camaro mm, Kev mm. Uh, smartly asked if alcohol was involved with that. And Luke and Andrew agree that no, they don't think so. This was not that alcohol. That somehow makes induced. it even worse. I know, it really yeah, does. But um, he doesn't know why he did it. He feels really bad. He wishes that he'd apologize to the guy. And Andrew's like, but how would you even start that? Apologize. Like, there is no way to really get into that. My deep shame for doing the thing that you're doing caused me to throw guacamole at you. Right. I can't control my impulses. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yep. And that leads him a little bit more into talking about doing things that he just didn't understand, like the time that he punched... Tim Mosby at during elementary school because he whatever to the girl that Luke liked. I don't know. And he, I liked the detail that he just sent himself to the principal's office. Like he immediately <laughs> was like, oh, I got to go. And then ended up yep. apologizing to the class and crying about it, um, which seems to be kind of a, a theme. I mean, he would do that to his parents, too, when he would feel so bad about the things that he was mm-hmm. doing and he would apologize and cry and maybe not get quite so punished there's a certain intelligence there about falling on your own humiliation sword though because Mm -hmm. if you do that to yourself almost no one's gonna have the uh the guts to further humiliate or punish you well and it sounds like he escaped punishment from his parents when he did that so that's a that's a real incentive Mm -hmm. Uh, they talk a little bit about bullying um uh, Kamara Kev had a, a a question about how dismissive the bullies were of him, and I don't know his uh, acting out and his uh, apologizing. And Luke confesses that he was probably the most bullying kid there, not necessarily physically bullying, but more verbally bullying. And um, he mentioned that once he achieved a certain level of success in the radio, the jerks kind of came out of the woodwork and tried to contact him and bro down with him and um luke was like what are you what are you even doing um we get the tidbit that kamara kev uh, knows chris pratt or grew up with chris pratt i think i knew that i think that's been mentioned before and was his first director in a home alone type romp <laughs> oh just to be able to see that oh my yes. god they have to break that one out on stack of dimes if they andrew haven't. wants to stop the show basically just cancel all the rest of the regrets <laughs> We're going to talk about this. So I hope they do talk about that in the future because that would be fun to listen to. Um, Luke says that, yeah, he would still ride the unicycle up and down Andrew Street right now. And that's when they get into the conversation about how the skateboard is the new unicycle. 
Uh, there's a really sweet coda on the end of this episode where they talk. Luke t- says that uh, David from the basement, uh, as a Christmas present for Walter, bought tickets for the two of them to go to New Zealand for a Lord of the Rings trip, which is so sweet. I, David was already my favorite Burbank, but he is way far out the list now. And that's and, adorable that he worked so hard. Yep, he worked double shifts for, for at least six months, Aww. six months to a year, just to be able to afford tickets to New Zealand. That is just, I can't even. Good lord. And they uh, established the. I have to say it, Bobby, the Regertz scale. Uh, I know you're not fond mm. of it, but I that's this, what it's called. This is a proper noun, so yeah. Yes. There's no getting around it. <laughs> the Regurts scale, this uh, unicycle story is at a six. So moderately embarrassing, I guess. I'm only opposed to that term because now if you Google it, you see nothing but a wall of pictures of people who've gotten that tattoo Mm-hmm. On purpose or just the original dope? No, I, I think on purpose at this point, although a lot of them are probably fake. Mm. Because now it's so funny to get that tattoo. Haha. <laughs> right. So I just feel like it's been played out. That's all. And I know it's part of the spectacular name. So whatever. We're just, we're above it. That's all. Are we? We're going to try. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, I don't remember if he said the episode number on Monday's show or not, but he's been one off on the episode yes. numbers all week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All it's, week. Yep, it's correct on the uh, on the show title and yeah. the podcast. Yeah, because Andrew's doing it. Yep. <laughs> but that will go to Tuesday, twenty five forty one. A passion for fashion. We start with Luke saying that he prefers Cyber Monday to Black Friday because he prefers receiving packages over at home over tramplings at stores. Uh, and that Amazon is too easy. They get packages almost every day. So do we. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I still don't have Amazon Prime. I'm weighing what? the costs and benefits. I know. I got to go through and add up all my shipping costs for the last year and see if that justifies it. But it's not just about the things that you currently purchased and had shipped. It's about the things that you could purchase <laughs> and have shipped. It's it's about never having to walk through uh, Target with a 48-pack of toilet paper ever again. Yep. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's about subscribe and save 15% off. Yep. But I like Target. I still go to Target. You you have to say that because you're from Minnesota. That's true. Yeah. That's you, true. I actually, you said you hated Target. They've run you out. They'll Fun fact, I shop at Target number one. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I want to go. The OG Target. Yep. My office is right near Staples number one, and it's kind of a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Staples. Yeah. That's the only number one store I have. Sorry. The number one Wegmans is great, but I, I don't get there very often. I used to shop at the number one Meyer. That'll mean something to people in Michigan and Ohio. <laughs> uh. And it's about when you want a book and you're not sure if you want the book and then you pull up your phone and before you know it, the book's at your house. And you didn't have to decide whether or not to go find a store that has it versus going to Amazon and fretting about the shipping. You just do it. I know. I'm close. I'm at the tipping point. Well, we're here to push you. (laughs) I just have to run the numbers. 
get Anne's getting Amazon I understand Prime that. for her next birthday. Or find someone to share it with. Prime has account, you know. Oh, family accounts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could totally get on somebody else's family account. They're completely independent, but you get most of the benefits of Prime. Hmm. So we should work on that. Offline, we'll work on that. Uh, Andrew struggled coming up with regrets for the reasons that we discussed at the top of the episode. Um, how to how to really dig into it without it just being super depressing. Uh, but he did manage to come up with some. Before we get into it, Luke tells us that uh, they went out karaokeing and ended up at the Mandarin Gate. And Luke got a hug from a regular after doing a song that this regular always used to sing with his brother, who we're assuming is no longer alive or around. Uh, the guy teared up and Luke was confused or surprised because the guy might have a glass eye in the eye where it looked like he was crying and he wasn't sure if that was possible. <laughs> Okay, it's totally possible, and I know this because my brother has a glass eye, and 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 the, the one time I saw him really cry hard was um, this was many years ago now, so don't don't feel bad. My 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 mother passed away. We had to make a decision to take her off life support, and she passed away. And we were driving home from the hospital, and we were both crying, and. <clears throat> Uh, I was driving and I looked over at my brother and, you know, he'd been rubbing his eyes and and uh, his glass eye was like pointed the wrong direction. And and uh, I said I, I was still crying, but I started laughing and I said, dude, look in the mirror. And he pulled the pulled the mirror down and we both were laughing and laughing about his like Marty <laughs> Feldman eye that was shooting off in the wrong direction. <laughs> So the only time the only time my brother and I really had a good cry together, we also had a really good laugh. Well, I, I also wanted to confirm this with a medical expert, so I texted Sam uh, this morning because I didn't think to do it all week while we were home together. Uh, and she texted back and she said, the lacrimal gland should still be intact in an enucleated eye. So her answer is, yes, of course, you dummy. Of course, someone can still cry. Right. Yeah. Who yeah. thinks that the tear duct is in the eyeball itself? <laughs> let's not forget about Luke's science education. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, let's be fair. He kind of does baby. get around to that. He says it wrong, and then he's like, no, wait, yeah. can you? I mean, yeah. he got there in the end. The question is whether or not a camel could get through there. That was as far as his <laughs> science education went. <laughs> uh, after much thought, Andrew decides that he regrets eighth grade. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst time yeah. of life mm -hmm. ever. Seventh and eighth grade are just, Ugh. you're just miserable no matter what's happening. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I just remember general melees about the whole thing. Well, you're, you're being like 12 and 13. Hormones are running wild and you haven't learned how to balance them yet. Hair is growing in weird places. This is like a mm -hmm. PSA video for middle schoolers. It's, awful nobody likes anybody else that actually likes them you know it's like nope. all the girls i like don't like me and all the girls that like me i don't like mm -hmm. yeah. and you go from elementary school to middle or junior or high and it's a totally new social yeah. structure and it's dog eat dog and everybody's trying to figure out where they are on the social pecking order and it involves making other people understand that they're lower on the uh, in the hierarchy than you are is the only way to increase your own standing. It's just awful. My mom taught all ages of, of school and she ended up having a long, long career 
at the end in in high school and she said the 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 only time of her career that she really hated was teaching seventh and eighth grade because all the kids were miserable mm-hmm. in their own way Andrew's not sure if eighth grade is too ambiguous or too big but then it's clarified that this is the Outback Steakhouse of special episodes <laughs> and therefore there are no rules where's my goddamn blooming onion <laughs> You know, I think the Bloomin' Onion's overrated, and I say that as someone who loves fried. It's just too much. It's too greasy. It holds <laughs> on to too much. It's also been years since I've been to an Outback Steakhouse, so what do I know? But Well, as long I as you go with 16 with you right people, now, yeah, you don't have to eat the whole thing yourself. <laughs> That's what I was doing wrong. It's just me and a Bloomin' Onion in the corner. By the time your steak came, you're like, ugh. <laughs> ugh who cares? <laughs> got the sweats. Well, <laughs> Just like all of eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweating for no reason. Yeah. So this is new school Andrew, and he's decided he's going to be an Andrew, not an Andy. And another thing he does to distinguish himself in eighth grade, and this is his true big regret, he has pegged his pants. Oh, Andrew. I used to do that, and I feel no shame. Well, you have... Everybody did it at that age. You have <laughs> lady legs. I... I don't know if this is a gender issue for the pants pegging. I was so far removed from fashion that I never would have even considered pegging my pants. I'm also a few years nope. younger, but not that many years younger. I thought plenty of guys did that, too. And I, I mean, I'm talking about like early 90s, maybe? Late 80s, I think early it, 90s. it went mainstream to guys at that generation. But at the time when people were pegging their pants, when I was, you know, back in the Stutz Bearcat days with, you know, our raccoon skin coats um uh gay guys were pegging their pants hmm. and that was it but you know it it's uh it because they're fashion forward then eventually i believe you, you know, mean more Nancy guys voice. did it it got all the way <laughs> to andrew. right that's the technical yeah. term andrew the least gay person in the world <laughs> uh Yes, so we get an extended conversation about pants pegging. We also get an aside about Andrew's affection for uh, golf clip front hats, uh, including one with a Hawaiian print that was purchased on vacation. Luke also mm. had one of these. I guess they all just wanted to be Andy Cap. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's such a bad look on a guy. It's a bad look Those on hats. every guy. I've never seen anyone yeah. wear it. Now, if you're a 70-year-old Italian man or Irish man, walking around with a cane and wearing a green corduroy sport coat and pants up to your armpits. You can wear whatever the hell you want because you're adorable. But other than that, no one should wear this hat. No one's ever going to touch it of any guy wearing one of those hats. You've got to take that hat off. Wait a minute. Wasn't Aiden wearing one of those in some of Will's pictures? And I thought he looked great. Okay, that's but that's different in part because Aiden was in Ireland. And he's not he's not uh, of uh, girls need to touch it age. Right. So not for at least another year or two. Sorry. Got to got to peel that cap off when you. Start it also to get looked serious. great on him. Yeah. He looked so cool. Well, and this is there's an exception to every rule. And Aiden. Well, is, those guys just look Irish. Yeah. Those, those McQuillans. Yeah. Uh, Will posted a picture of him with his father recently that I thought was a picture of Aiden with Will. With a with a filter like to look like it was from the seventies on mm-hmm. it, I think it was a picture of Will and his dad, and they just all look exactly the same. 
I don't think Will's wife has contributed any DNA to those kids. I think it just completely skipped her. Yeah. They look just like their dad. It's okay. Exactly She's like there that. for the the nature part or the nurture part rather. She's just there to keep right. them from killing themselves in yeah. accidents and <laughs> right. <Hold on. laughs> accidents in the home. Keeping them off the, the ladders home. outside. Will, I love you. Keep I'm them sorry. from drowning in the now. lake. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Aiden, keep wearing the hats. You're one in a million. You do whatever you want. Andrew also references a trap, a social trap that he fell into by after being egged on by his friends. Maybe we should use that term loosely, but his peers. Oh, no, I believe you mean those motherfuckers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His social circle, for better or for worse, encouraged him at a dance to ask the other new girl, while the, the other new kid in school, the girl, Joy, to, quote, go with him and uh, was summarily shot down in front of everyone. That's oh, cinematic, Andrew. that story. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. This is also the kind of bullshit that middle school and high school dances are made for. Uh, and that is why Camaro Kev tells us he never, ever went to a school dance. Nope, me neither. I went in high school because I, I went had a to steady girlfriend. Plenty of them. Steady. They're pretty bad. I went bad. to a bunch. Yeah. I went to a bunch with my girlfriends, and and what would we would do is all stand on one side of the room, and all the guys would stand on the other side of the room, and that was it. Somewhere there's there's a picture of me in a powder blue tux at some sort of a homecoming in in high school with full on helmet of hair. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. Yes. Uh, Luke only dated girls in school that he were absolutely sure had a crush on him, taking the burden off of asking a girl you're not quite sure about. The trade-off was he wasn't ever quite so sure about them, including uh, his pursuit of Jessica Baker because she called him at home, and he thought that was a big step. She must be interested. Yeah, I I remember having some really stilted... (laughs) Mm-hmm. I don't, don't even qualify as relationships with girls but because I just felt like, you know, I'm 13, 14 now. I should have a girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you would just pick somebody out or they'd pick you out and you'd have these terrible phone conversations. And yeah, and yeah. I had a girlfriend um, before I had my first real girlfriend. I had a complete fake girlfriend. Not fake like she didn't exist, but like we did. Canadian. I don't even know if we liked each other at all, <laughs> you know. Her name was Karen Zarkowski, and she was a really nice, smart girl. And I think my mom suggested I date her because she was, like, the smartest girl in school. I think my mom knew I was going to be a bum at some point. <laughs> you need to hitch your, your wagon into a <laughs> smart girl. She, my mom was always trying to hook me up with the smartest girls in, in her, like, advanced English classes. And, <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, when I finally um, did start dating her best friend in a real – like boyfriend girlfriend relationship i was like huh yeah okay this is the this is what this is the thing but those those things you know those junior high and early high school relationships when you're not quite ready brutal oh they're awful and forced and awkward no yeah i remember giving a girl uh a necklace with a piece of quartz that was mined by me from the herkimer diamond mines on a boy scout trip um, wow. This is one of those places where they send you out with a 
with a hammer and a pick and you can just hammer out the quartz and take it home and pretend you have diamonds. Wow. Uh, and even then I knew thinking to myself, these were real diamonds. They wouldn't let 12 year old kids go out there and take them. <laughs> no, they get they'd get some black slaves to go. Yeah. Don't get the diamonds. Out of the ground. Jesus, Mike. <laughs> well, this got dark. Um, Burgert scale 6.7 from Andrew. It's not too bad. All right, that takes us to Wednesday, 2542 X's and O craps. Uh, we start out with nickname talk, and we learn that Camaro Kev, the, the nickname Camaro Kev, was coined by Luke's ex wife. Um, Andrew, when he was a child, wanted to be Lewis, but not his middle name, L O U I S L E W I S, as an explorer, and his buddy was named Cat somehow. Um, Lewis! That'll mean something to people in Seattle. <laughs> Lewis! Uh, Luke was given a really terrible nickname, which is Leukoplakia, which is a horrible, gross wow. uh, white patches on the inside of your mouth. Um, that's a puzzling nickname for a couple of reasons. It's gross, and it's longer than the word Luke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um, and you have to know science, which you know people at his schools apparently I figured out some science from. Yeah, it from, sounds like they got uh, the this movie. from a movie or something. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that movie, but I, I didn't recall the that particular meanness to that kid, Corey. Well, and, and Luke, yeah, Luke acknowledges his own um, non-bully privilege um, uh, because this didn't really bother him. This, this terrible nickname didn't really bother him that much. Um, they talk about uh, the guy, what was he, a football guy, Dave Craig? Yeah. I don't know. Uh uh, whose nickname was Mudbone, uh, but he wanted to be Cobra. Mudbone's a pretty bad nickname. You can't go from Mudbone to to Cobra, though. That's like turning an F into an A on your report card. You've got to... Yeah, it's too big yes. of a leap. <laughs> you, you've got to put yourself in the middle somewhere and just uh, just mellow it out. Just try to try to turn your nickname into Stretch or Jimbo or something. Just, you know, yeah, innocuous. Something to- Something Take down a the middle. Step. Mm-hmm. Mesothelioma. The poor guy, <laughs> not only did he have the nickname Mudbone, which he didn't like, he was also renowned for having the smallest hands of any quarterback in the NFL and, and thus leading the league in, in quarterback fumbles almost every year. So, you know, bad nickname, small hands, and you know that you know what people try to hang on the small hands. Right. It's uh poor guy, you know. Yeah, Cobra's not going to work for that. <laughs> Cobra. Sorry, buddy. Uh, Luke admits that he wanted to be named Christian for quite a while uh, until he realized that you just can't nickname yourself. Nope, not can't possible. Your name like that. Um, we changed the subject entirely. Uh, somehow, Andrew was talking about downloading a playlist of Woody Allen movie music and playing it while Veeves was in the shower, and she quipped that it felt like she was showering in the jazz age. Sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought of you. Made me angry on her behalf. Yeah, you just real quick shower. When you're in the jazz age, you're like, I just, I'm just yeah. going to hit the major parts. I'm even going to wash my hair here. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> um, they talk about, uh, again, how Luke used to steal the uh, books that were sent to the radio station and sell them back to uh, secondhand bookstores for cash, and uh, how he also felt like the station vehicle was totally up for grabs when his car died. <laughs> and he would just <laughs> drive his child around in it. 
<laughs> up for grabs Did in the ever middle get in of trouble? the night, though. So yeah, yeah, kind of was. I oh, guess. Uh, speaking of books uh, and NPR, um, my father-in-law, um, he he has a book which is a compilation of his columns. He's a newspaper columnist, and he was very often at some point he was a he was a regular on NPR to talk about different things about Louisiana and New Orleans and and he he may have even read some of his essays his columns on NPR and he, when he was here the first thing he did was go looking for his book on our bookshelves cuz he wanted to make sure oh. it was placed prominently and it was not on in our indoor bookshelf it was on our bookshelf that's in the garage and Uh-oh. so he brought it inside and put Ooh. it in a prominent place. And I overheard him. I was in I was in the mountain room, and I overheard him saying to to Emily, um, "Hey, remember that time when a a famous uh, a famous uh, author who appears on NPR came over to your house and arranged your bookshelf?" And I yelled out, "Is Scott Simon here?" <laughs> 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 Boom! <laughs> Everyone loved that. Roasted. Yes. Um, we get on to Camaro Kev's regret, and it sounds like he did a show about a stack of dime show about an ex girlfriend um, telling some maybe unflattering, unkind stories. And uh, he believes that she heard it and knows it's about her and is not too happy about that. And that is his regret for this episode. Um, it sounds not like the worst thing in the world. Um, but it sounds like the episode is gone. It's been somehow destroyed, and he's unsure if he's going to resurrect it. It sounds like he probably shouldn't if he feels that badly about it. Yeah, yeah I guess I, not. I'd feel, I'd feel bad, I guess, if the person who had the inverted nipples ever heard me telling the story. <laughs> Even well, I though told it, the story, I come off as the jerk. I, I told the story Wait, about... you would uh, come off as the jerk? No, you were the jerk. <laughs> I, I said, I do come off as the jerk. Oh, I did not okay, say I okay, do just... come off as the jerk. I told the story on this very show about the the very t- the time my my boyfriend Gabe got very very drunk and I had to drive him home and he was singing in the back seat and stuff and uh, he heard me tell that story and then now he plays it for all his friends. So I kind of regret that. <laughs> you re- regret putting his glory on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah, well, and yeah. I've met several since I've been, I was in Grand Rapids for a while. I, I hung out with him a little bit and so I met a bunch of his friends and they're like, oh, you're the one who does the podcast. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I've had a couple Burn of- me next. Roast me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple of times recently with traveling and catching up with a lot of friends who I don't see very often who have said, Oh, yeah, so we listened to an episode of your podcast, and I just look at them and I say, why? Why? <laughs> they're not yeah. tens, they're not TBTL listeners, and I, and I always tell them, you know, please feel free to listen. I, I don't think I say too many things I'm terribly ashamed of here, and especially because oftentimes Sam here is one-third of our conversation, so I really want to keep that in check, but... um if you don't care about what we're talking about, by all means, don't feel obligated to listen. Yeah. Um, we learned that a Grapes of Red listener 
told Andrew, like sent Andrew an email saying that he should listen to the show because Veeves is on it and gave him a timestamp. And Veeves overheard this conversation happening. And so she walks into the show and uh, tells a story about how Andrew got a package at Cairo while they were recording Grapes of Rad. And she opened it on the air to find out what was in it and then sealed it back up. Why, why are you open someone else's package? I don't know. I, this makes That's me crazy. Because I, I get blow-up dolls sent to the house. I don't need people opening my packages. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Luke calls all of us snitches, and uh, I don't think he's wrong. Nope. Nope. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> uh, and then we close up on a... Uh, uh, a coda about how they don't want to know what people are saying about them behind their backs. Um, Luke specifically is anxious about his ketosis breath and ketosis breath is pretty bad. I'll give him that. It's a temporary thing, but your, your breath is like acidic. And it's nasty. So he Yet should another be another reason to eat that. carbs. Yeah. Have some bread. Yeah. I Thank didn't you. write down the regret scale on this one. I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, they, I don't uh, think they did it every day. I do. I have a Camaro Cab called this a seven. Wow, that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. All right, on to Thursday, 2543, convicted in the court of David Moneymaker, <laughs> uh, which is a great line during the show. Um, the They open with the Johnny Depp apology, which is pretty great. It's uh, um, it. You could argue that uh, who's who is his girlfriend or wife? What's her name? Was she an actress? Amber Heard was his wife. Um, now, no longer his wife. Mm-hmm. Was she an actress? Yeah. Or is she? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He okay. hit her, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she's the the one who's actually doing some good acting here. He can't bring <laughs> himself to. He can't bring himself to sound sincere, but she actually does. And uh, Andrew thinks that um, in in that uh, service announcement that Johnny Depp calls Australians erect. Um, <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so Lynn was having fun with that, too. I think he isolated that clip. So you could go go get that. Um, Thanks, Lynn. From uh, Marsupial Gurgle, if you want to hear Andrew say erect over and over. That's a That's a text message alert for the ages. <laughs> uh they talk about forced apologies for kids and and how it might be the toughest thing you'll ever do did any of you ever have to give a forced apology from your parents or your your teachers all the time really? my mom is oh yeah my mom's a psychiatric nurse who works with adolescents and has been for the past 35 years And uh, so her way of dealing with my conflict with my siblings um, was to not deal with it and uh, make us figure it out ourselves. So very, you know, progressive techniques. And what we had to do, if I did something mean to my sister, I had to write her a letter and it had to include a description of what I did, why I did it, and that I was sorry. Oh, my gosh. Uh, did you have to read it to her or just give it to her and then you could go go out and play again? (laughs) She would have to say... I accept your apology, and oh, then we would then it would be over. Huh? Did, I got plenty else? of those letters as well. Did you have to go get it postmarked like a poor man's patent to prove? No, but she did make apologize? me get it notarized, oh, yeah. which was weird because I was yeah. like, <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> I had to go to the credit union because they do yeah. it for free there. Yeah. Yep. 
and probably never had anything to apologize for. But Bobby. Oh, I was a little asshole. I had to apologize for things all the time. Yeah. Um, I can't remember any specific forced ones that probably says a lot about my mother's lack of parenting. But it, well, it probably became routine. If you're do, if you're doing it all the time, then you probably don't mind it as much. You're like, ah, another forced apology. Yeah. Well, and here we go. And much like Luke um, falling on his sword to his parents, you learn that a strategic apology oh. can go, can go a long way. And in fact, yeah. can sometimes get you in better graces than before. Yeah. Um, it can be a real turning point for a relationship. So if you're looking to manipulate someone, you apologize. And boy, have I, I wish I that. knew that move when I was a kid. I totally wish I did. Cause, cause yeah, I do it as an adult all the time. I'm just walk around constantly. Sorry. Yeah. And yeah, it's you just, know, we work from there. Just easier. But um, I only had to give one forced apology that I remember when I was a, a kid and there there was these girls, these Zimmerman girls, there were two girls a few years older than me and they, they had a real dynamic going. They thought they were, you know, cute and, and hot shit and whatever. And they would tease me all the time. You know, I'm just this little kid and I'm a little bit shy. I don't really don't like hanging out with older people or adults or, you know, even older kids or whatever. And they would tease me and tease me. And, uh, I got so frustrated one day I I went up and I knocked on their door and and um the girls came out and I turned around and dropped trow and just mooned <laughs> the Zimmerman girls. <laughs> Seems like and an extreme they, step. You don't know how much they how, how what led up to that cuz that's that wasn't like me. That's not that's not me. So um they told their parents, their parents told my parents and I had to go knock on that door again. And apologize with my pants pu- fully pulled up and belted. <laughs> you should have doubled down and done it again. Uh well, I'm terrified of my father, so I, oh. I was, he he would he would sometimes grab my my head and start squeezing just to show me that um, that if he wanted to, he could crush my head with his giant hand. And I didn't didn't want that to happen any more than it already did. So he could totally be a cobra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had the huge hands. <laughs> he could have, and he could strike at any time. So, uh, Mike, I'm just curious how your uh, Senate resignation speech is coming. Because oh, from <laughs> because because they they're they're probably pictures. Yeah. Or, uh, you could never. At get least away now with the that. girls will be taken seriously even without pictures. Yeah. Probably if they corroborate and they did tell people at the time. Well, they told their as parents. of the airing of this episode, it's 2018 now. You're not getting away with that kind of shit. Yeah. yeah, I was eleven. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. Um, Luke talks about several of the times when he stole money, and then he would feel guilty later and confess. Um, well, you know what? The apology thing is fine because you get out ahead, and you and you probably won't get punished more than just having to apologize. But I stole plenty of money and stuff when I was a kid and never got caught. And then if you don't. If you don't confess, then you don't have to tell anyone or apologize. I mean, I took so much money out of my mom's purse. Like, if she had an odd amount of dollars in there, you know, I'm, I'm sure she thought she was just terrible at counting money at some point or was just letting me do it. But until I was like 14, 15 and was working, I would take a few odd dollars out of her purse every goddamn day because I was so hungry all the time. Mm. And I wanted to go buy some food. This was back but before I've, Martha Lynn came into your life and... And was just a cavalcade of full meals. Right. Now you're right. never hungry. And, 
and she she has those um what are those called the Bellini bag what are the, uh, Emily's right here what is the name of your mom's bags Bagalini. She has these Bagalini bags. So if I wanted to steal anything out of her purse, there's no way I would find it because there's like seven thousand. Nope. Too many pockets. <laughs> I would be. I would get caught because I'm like, <laughs> it's like a half hour of rifling before you finally get to anything that you want. So yeah, my mom had a real simple purse situation. So that that uh, that was different. But I would never go near my dad's wallet. It could be sitting right by my face, and it could have dollars like spilling out of it. But I was so terrified of my dad. I was like, nope. Not going in there ever. Because I know if my mom caught me, she wouldn't even tell my dad. You know, she would, you know, I'd get in trouble, but she wouldn't tell my father. Sure, sure. But the terror aspect is what led Luke to confess, right? Not of his parents, but the terror of going to hell. Oh, right. I didn't have that. He was indoctrinated enough into that culture and that worldview that he literally thought he would go to hell. Yeah. That he was going to die in his sleep. That's why you need to say the Lord's Prayer, right? So mm-hmm. that you can go to heaven But when you die in your sleep. Horrifying. But in the moment when you want that Charleston Chew or whatever crappy candy he was into, you know, <laughs> it overwhelmed <laughs> overwhelmed the hell thing. Yeah. And then later when you, you it's already in your belly and you're sated, you're like, oh, man, now I'm going to hell with my Charleston Chew-filled belly. Uh, Principal Moneymaker is talked about, that Daniel Bagley... Um, principal who stayed home once with tennis elbow uh, <laughs> for how, a week. How can he have <laughs> these principles? Principal moneymaker, and then at Jesus Creek there was um, what uh, Christian soldier Overman was the principal there. <laughs> right. How yeah. can these not be made up names? Uh, they they really could be. And tell me that you can't principal with your arm in a sling. Yeah. I mean, how much worse are you at principaling? You can still yell at children. <laughs> right. Because you're not allowed to hit them anymore. So that would get in the way of the, the, the paddling. Right. But, but yeah, you can still yell with your arm in a sling, I think. Anyway. I just tried to find uh, David Moneymaker just quickly right now. The first person who comes up is a CPA at Amazon. Uh, and he could be the son of David Moneymaker. And it would totally it's make sense. Right. I feel like if you're yeah. going to be named Moneymaker, become a tax analyst. Don't become a yeah. principal. Mm-hmm. And don't be David Money Changer because everyone gets gets mad at you. Then all the religious people. It's better than mad. David Money Launderer. <laughs> well, then you know you know when you're going to need that guy. You know, true. At least it's out there. It's like, oh man, I need a guy. Well, I, I tell you what, yeah. Have I ever told my my literal childhood money laundering story? Well, not quite literal, but this goes with uh, with stealing money from mom's purse. We used to live for one year. We lived over a laundromat and a little diner restaurant, tiny little place. And we would do laundry downstairs in the laundromat. And one day we were doing laundry and my mother, I was in first or second grade in this apartment. So six or seven years old. And uh, my mother had her wallet out and there were some $1 bills and I stole those $1 bills. But I thought that if I would get caught with $1 bills, she would know that I got them from her. Oh, no. So I know I where this is going. <laughs> would take the, lo- take the dollar bill, run downstairs, go into the laundromat, put it into the change machine. Oh, yeah. Take back the Clever. quarters and then go back upstairs. And I thought, well, that was easy. And there's still a bunch of $1 bills. So I did it again and then again and again. And suddenly oh I just had you know, a giant two hands full of quarters. 
and there were no more one dollar bills. Oh my gosh! And my mother just looks uh, at me and she just goes, "Did you think I wouldn't figure out <laughs> watching you go downstairs and back up with corners?" <laughs> so that was me. Oh man! That was me trying to launder this money by taking it to the laundromat, and it failed miserably. You could make that into some like story math story problems, you know. <laughs> If Bobby has four $1 bills he stole from his mother and put them all in the quarter change machine, how many quarters does he have? <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, Chin Hung was the unfortunately named girl who was convicted on, who was convicted in the court of David Moneymaker. <laughs> uh, uh, Luke uh, talks about trying to be a better person as he ages, and I can totally identify with that as I, you know, I woke up one day in San Diego and decided I wanted to be uh, a better person. It's It was easier for me because uh, I got to go to prison. Uh, I had the privilege of going to prison, and it's easy to change your habits when you Wait, go to you prison. went to prison? Yeah, I did. I um, was in the, back in the 90s. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was back when... For exercise, we would just wall, walk around in a circle, all chained together. I think you've seen With, it. On did did okay, you Mr. peg Bates. your prison pants? Yeah. No, only the gay only the gay inmates were pegging their oh, prison okay. pants. There yeah. wouldn't have been any room for cereal. And by gay inmates, I mean everyone pegged their pants. Right. Uh, yeah, and uh, you could drop just a few few uh, bags of cereal down there. You couldn't drop the bounty. You would you hold them in there. You could purchase Russells on the commissary. It would keep them from falling out of your, out of your. Uh, yeah, it's cups. true, but, but, uh, but yeah, just not not enough room and makes makes from awkward bulges. Looks like you have cellulite yeah. on your calves, which yeah. is not a not a good look on that. any prisoner. Um, I wouldn't that worried about how okay. You <laughs> this this story was the one that made me sweat um, this week when he was telling it because I wasn't familiar with the story, and it is. Um, and and he also didn't really want to tell it because it's about him being really cavalier with money and he didn't want to think that it was like TBTL money. We didn't want people to think he was like gambling away TBTL money. But um, the story is he goes to, they are at the Aria in Las Vegas on one of these group trips that he used to go on. And he's playing roulette, which he admits is a dumb gambling thing i i've played the let a few times and yeah you just you put your birthday you put your favorite number you put your uniform number you put your mom's birthday or whatever down and then you sit and watch a ball roll and it's so unengaging to me so but he he does really great on it he hits his numbers he goes up from 200 or 300 dollars up to 7500 dollars in a matter of half an hour i think he said and he does the right thing and he cashes out. He doesn't, you know, try to try to keep going. And I guess in roulette, it's probably easier to have that feeling because, it, you know, it's totally random. You're not actually playing anything. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel like you're on the hot streak, you know. So he walks away, but then he sees the high rollers room, high rollers blackjack room. And because of his, his uh, lifelong um chip on his shoulder about being poor he thinks they're trying to keep him out of the high roller room when really (laughs) everything in a casino is designed to keep you there and get you to spend more and more money i mean like the caesar's palace they have these moving walkways that that get you in and then once you're in caesar's palace 
you, there's you can't even see an exit. You know, you so. can't find the door. You can't see a clock. No. You can't see a window. You have <laughs> no. no idea how to get out. It's on purpose. Right, right. And they they get you in there so fast, and they have great ways to get you in there. And but uh, yeah, there's just no way out. But he feels that they're trying to keep him out of the high roller room, so he goes in there and just blows it in no time at all, um, because the limits are are so high that you just lose a few hands, and then all of a sudden you've lost seventy five hundred dollars. Um. Uh, and he's sick about it. And, and when I used to um, gamble on a regular basis, I would get really sick about it when I lost too. And I finally figured out that my the high that I would get from winning wasn't as high as the low I got from losing. So um made it easy when I met Emily and, and started getting serious with her to sort of retire from gambling. And, and especially sports gambling was kind of my thing. I had an offshore account and I would gamble on that stuff, gamble on the presidential elections, stuff like that. But um, no longer do that, and I I feel the better for it. So I think he's kind of moving away from that, and I I think he'll uh, he'll be happy with that. He seems happy with that. Speaking um, of the offshore, none of y'all account. are gamblers, though, right? No. Oh no. Well, mm-hmm. not really. I like gambling, which is why I don't do it because I know mm-hmm. I like it. And Sam doesn't like casino. She doesn't. As I've joked many times, she doesn't like fun, so she's not much for the casino games. <laughs> she yeah. has no interest in sitting at a table and playing poker or blackjack or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy gambling, uh, and I love carnival games and stuff like that, and I just know it would be problematic. So I mm-hmm. just avoid it because I will I will get cleaned out. Because the, the only worse <laughs> thing than being a... Uh, gambler is being an inexperienced gambler. <laughs> I'd be that's, such that's an easy true. mark. <laughs> yeah, I got started really early with really low limits. Like my for my twenty first birthday, my brother and sister took me on a trip to Nevada, and you know, because I got to legally gamble for the first time, and you know, we would all sit around a table, and it was just a fun, a social thing, or whatever. So. um I, I got good, as good as you can get at that stuff at really low stakes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that you kind of you can't just like, oh, I want to gamble today and just go in there and not quite know everything, because not only will you probably lose your money, but the other gamblers will be mad at you because you don't play quote unquote correctly. Right. There's a system it, uh, to how some of those things work, and you don't want to be the guy who's fucking it up for the table. Yeah, I mean, my brother gets really mad at other people at a blackjack table when they don't play right because he feels that now he's going to get a bad card. But I've tried to explain to him many times that they're just as likely to fuck you into a good card as they are into a bad card. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but he, he he's usually so drunk at the table he doesn't, he won't <laughs> listen to my, to my logic. I was just <laughs> jumping in to say that the dazzling detail for me in this episode was that Luke closed his side bank account which i can't remember something we knew or not right i think that's news and that's great because when he finally does give carrie the gift of selling a boat the money can go (laughs) into their joint account and not just back into she should be able to spend that money 100 percent. i agree on whatever she wants my gift Mm -hmm. to you for being for oh my god yeah Talk about yeah. talking about having to apologize for something. Mm-hmm. That was that was a hell of a way to to really start off their serious relationship. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. Camaro, Kevin, and, and Andrew are really not gamblers, but they kind of like the casino and the feel of it, and the and the and the food and and all that. Um. 
they they close the show. I, I did. I remember like Luke's. His rate of regret, I think, was seventy five hundred out of ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Which is really a lot of regret. One regret for, me, for every dollar really. lost. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, I've had some bad some bad gambling experience and some bad beats in sports and and um you never forget a bad beat in when you have a, a sports bet so but that's for another podcast bobby someday someday um, we'll get there <laughs> camaro kev no one is more committed to the bit and the bit being his actual true personality from that he that he slid into at a certain point of time in his life that than this guy camaro kev like the the Camaro, for one thing, how he got his name, well into his adulthood, adulthood, he was driving Camaro like my brother was. And liking the same music that you liked in the late 80s, early 90s, and still listening to it, giving it its day in court now. And then culminating in ending the show with the, with a with a song, uh, Gambler, from Whitesnake, an appropriate name for a song, from... The album Slide It In and just saying the album Slide It In Ugh. from from Whitesnake, saying it like it isn't so gross. <laughs> it's just the name of an album. I did not enjoy you, hearing them say that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then saying it was a pretty good song, which it clearly wasn't once they started no. the song. No, no, no. Oh awful. man, I can't I'm not waiting for the power out of this but one. There can be an Easter egg here that I'll never find. It sounded like White Snake. It sounded like White Snake that wasn't the White Snake song everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded like White Snake. Yeah, and that's not good. All right, that's it. All right, that brings us to Friday, 2544. Here they come to snuff the Walshter. Great. I hate that song. Uh, I know it's We awful. learned that. <laughs> Camaro Kev is extremely organized and has a very clean car, which doesn't surprise me. I think they've talked about that before, and that he still has a case logic with his CDs organized in it. Hey, What's my my brother that? was a Camaro owner way into his adulthood, and he gave me that Camaro when I got out of prison, and I had to drive it around. My brother, not quite as fastidious. I mean, the car <laughs> smelled like mildew. The T-top leaked. <laughs> uh, it overheated at, uh, whenever, at, at every intersection. I had to turn the, the ignition off. So, uh, yeah, I wish I wish I did drive a Camaro for about six months and I wish it had been Camaro Cabs Camaro. I would have been proud. to. It drive sounds great. There's nothing wrong with CDs. And I just I abandoned them so quickly as soon as MP3s became viable that it surprises me when I see them. I haven't had a CD in years. Uh, I'm staring at a stack of 100 jewel cases because one of my projects for this weekend is I have to burn about 20 CDs to send out for work. And I think I'm the last person who still has to use my external CD drive for my laptop yeah. and yeah. create a playlist in iTunes and burn it out of CDs. And then I have to print labels and then put them in a jewel case and make jewel case inserts with a little oh. track listing on it. I'm having flashbacks to 2005. <laughs> That's, uh, you got it when you're dealing with the olds, Bobby. You know yeah. this. You got to deal in the yeah. old technology. Because if I send them a but, slip of paper that says "Go to this Dropbox link to download the MP3s or whatever," mm. I know it won't happen. So I have to give them a CD that they can put into their car stereo or into their CD boombox. Maybe a seventy-eight things. into their old uh, Victrola. <laughs> send them an eight-track. But what are uh, you supposed oh, to do this. if if you drive? I don't know. Say a two thousand three. Toyota RAV4, for example, that has a CD player and a tape deck and nothing else. Do you have an aux port? 
or or one of those tape adapters? No. I would go get an aux port installed. That's what I would do. <laughs> and then the I next would... question is, do I have any music on my phone? And the answer is also no. Well, then CDs are a great option. I'm just surprised. Or podcasts. Uh, just get the aux port or get the get the thing that broadcasts over an FM band. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, the FM. This is what I got for Will after last time I was in Seattle as a little gift because I I borrowed his car for a couple of days and it and it was painfully quiet. <laughs> You had to be alone with your thoughts for a minute. It's no. not okay. It's never okay. <laughs> no. And and if I were you, I wouldn't purchase anything. I would just sing because you have such a lovely voice. Thank oh, you. Like. Kiss ass. God. We start talking about uh, toys. They talk about their childhood favorite toys and um, kind of lament the fact that uh, once you got a toy home, it wasn't nearly as cool as it looked in the commercial. Wow, really, guys? <laughs> really? Well, and in the commercials, it's not so much that they were set up on a cool sound stage; It's that they had all the pieces yeah. when they played yeah. with the toys yeah. on the commercial. They yeah. had the big, you know, they had not just the He-Man figures, but they had Castle Grayskull as well. And you, you don't usually get that at home. Yeah, you got He-Man in your, your sandbox your cat shits in. Right, <laughs> and then discarded Barbie or whatever. I remember watching those kind of commercials when I was a kid and thinking, well, I don't have a cool racetrack in my backyard, so that's not going to happen. Right, what they're doing right. is not going to happen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I knew the difference between real life and TV pretty early, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they sounded a little hurt by this. Um, they talk about trading toys, and Luke admits that he traded uh, – one of his favorite toys for something called Rodimus Prime, which I'd never heard of until... I don't understand. What's wrong with Rodimus Prime? He was fine. I don't know. I looked it up and it looked fine. He it was looked kind of cool. He was the next generation Optimus Prime. He was just a fancy car that was the new leader well, they, instead of a they fancy called him, truck. I think, I think they called him the Poochie of Transformers. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the kids that are into that, whatever it is, they know automatically if something is, is lame. And yeah. maybe they can't put their finger on it, but they know if something is lame. But I had like uh, I had a couple G.I. Joe action figures. And then one year, I think I got um, what was called a Big Jim, um, J.I.M. <laughs> the guy's name was Big Jim and he had a camper and he had friends and stuff. And then I was just recalling it a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, what was that lame ass Big Jim? And then I went and looked at the commercials for it. And it's the gayest toy these guys are gay they're out there and they they, they like wear short shorts and and the the commercial is all about how they're gonna be such good buddies and friends it's like it was totally opposite gi joe which like gi joe kill this guy kill that guy and the big jim was like was like all about love and camping and who's we're gonna arm wrestle and see who's stronger and oh my god i can't believe you know what this straight it must be must be nature not this G.I. Joe conversation reminded me of the Fensler G.I. Joe uh, PSA parodies. Have you guys seen those? Mm-hmm. Um, they used to crack me up, and I used to watch them over and over and over, and I pulled them all out again. There's a best of compilation on YouTube that I spent a good 10 minutes uh, crying, laughing oh, on the couch. you got to put the other that day. up, and, and I'll put up one or two of those big gym TV ads. Yeah. Well, because it, that reminded me of a lot of that, too, is because there's an awful lot of innuendo in these uh in these PSAs. Right, right. right. <laughs> Added or not. <laughs> like like in the G.I. Joe there may have been latent homosexuality, but in Big Jim it was like they did they did everything but bone in those commercials. 
Yeah. Something like my high school girlfriend. <laughs> hey now. Uh, um Andrew admits that he traded or maybe brags. No, he's proud of this. That he traded his Alice in Chains dirt album for David Bowie's Hunky Dory, which is probably a good I, I I'm in favor of that trade. Uh as an yeah, Alice in Chains okay. hater. Yeah. I did never heard of this trading of stuff. I never traded Mm-mm. anything with anybody. No. I think I did. I had a group of girlfriends in middle school and high school, and we would, but it was more like an open swap meet. It was like I stayed yeah. over at your house, and I can I wear this shirt, and then I just steal it, and then they right, come over right, and steal right. something of mine, kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't. It's flattering that they trading. liked your thing so much as to put it on and wear it home. <laughs> well, it was cool until one of them took my favorite shirt, and then all seven yeah. of them rotated it around, and I never got it back. I took um, uh, I took a sweater from a friend of my my college uh, best friend John Hedegaard. I took a sweater from him once, and I would just wear it when I knew he wasn't going to be around. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, my friends weren't even that considerate. They just wear it to school in front of me, and I'd be like, "Damn oh, it, no. I want that shirt back." Um, the guys talk about the real life origins of uh, several GI Joe characters, including Destro. Uh, none, none of this meant anything to me. I was not a GI Joe watcher as a oh, child. Oh, this was so frustrating. I was yearning yeah. that it could be Kamarakev and me having this discussion because he was a little hazy on some of the details, but he at least had the basics correct. Luke and Andrew were just yeah. useless over this, and I was like, "No, mm-hmm. I can't listen to. You. <laughs> I can tell you all about Jinx." I can tell you all about the G.I. Joe movie that she was introduced in. I had a flash of irritation at that. Andrew said that his favorite G.I. Joe toy was Jinx, and then he was like, oh, why did I like her? She was a girl. Did I have a crush on her? Like, you can't just like a character? Come on. Oh, I just scrolled up to make sure that was your note, Meredith. Um. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I said in my notes, cannot like girl character without wanting to fuck it. Uh, Meredith, Sorry, I am going to warn you now in this new chapter of your life that any guy who tries to befriend you may very well be trying to sleep with you. <laughs> See, that's a lesson that I, I don't know. Well, maybe I've learned it now, but I didn't know it until recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's a good it's a good reminder. Yeah, just keep that in mind. But it still disappoints me, and it still makes me sad, and I still wish it wasn't true. Yep. Well, All these new friend requests since you, you've talked about your divorce. It's not a... <laughs> They don't actually want to be my friend? Right. Well, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Somewhere to start. a little bit. Um, Also, I think I just found a picture of Big Jim and friends, and it it looks like... um, I didn't know the village people could look gayer, but I get what you're saying. Wow. They are ripped. It's pretty incredible. It's uh, the commercials, man. Oh, my God. Bobby, this this better be the show picture or I'll never speak to you again. It's definitely the show picture. There's even a token (laughs) black guy in the back. I see that. He's holding a dumbbell. Yeah. Y'all thought I was exaggerating. I was not exaggerating. These are the gayest gayest toy. And they go around in a big rape RV. And that guy has a log in front of him? What, for chopping? You mean the guy with the cut-off shorts yeah. and yes, denim vest? Yes, and denim vest with no shirt underneath. This all makes sense now, Mike, in the denim vest. It was inspired <laughs> yeah, by denim vest I wore. You'd think it, they would have been more progressive had they had, like, a bear, you know, a, guy, a big right. chubby guy in the background. Yeah, I noticed too, just there was to, nothing like that. No, they're all ripped. That's Nobody not the guy there. you put out there on the front lines. That's the guy you go home to. That's true. 
That's a guy. It depends who's on the audience you're trying to attract. True. Cook dinner and do your laundry. All right, all right. Let's get to the actual regret of this episode, which is Andrews, and he's already embarrassed before he starts talking. Um, and he tells the story about how he was a student worker in college at a public radio station there uh, with his friend, whose nickname was Schwa. And they were talking with him on the radio, and the guy was on stage, and the audience had started to fill up, and Andrew loudly called him a Nancy boy, it sounds like maybe twice. And it turns out that Schwa was blind, I mean gay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Andrew feels really terrible for possibly, um, you know, he's making a lot of assumptions, you know. Um, He could have been cool with it himself, but not out to other people. Um, But Andrew feels bad that he could potentially have been hurting this guy's feelings when he was struggling with something difficult. Um, And that's that's fair. Um, And then Andrew starts to wonder if he just outed his old friend. So double the regret. (laughs) He's like, he's out, right? Right. I think he's out. Yeah, he's out. Or yeah, or the is. guy's not gay at all, and you just assumed from something that he was gay. He's and now blind, Andrew. He's not he's only blind. not gay, but you you insulted him earlier, and he's not gay, and he's not out. Right. Now everyone thinks he's gay and not out. At least it wasn't and the Pacific Northwest, or else he could have been offering schwa free beef. <laughs> yes, Le uh. schwa. <laughs> God. Um... It sounds like uh, we have to hear this awful, awful story um, about Luke going out to dinner at a restaurant. He made a dumb joke about a white lightning pizza, saying that was his nickname in high school. And then he Burbanked the joke first time by saying it was actually a slur, a terrible, terrible gay slur that I'm not going to repeat. And then he just kept Burbanking it to the point, I think. He didn't say it this time, but that last time he told the story that one of the people at dinner with him had to tell him to stop. Hmm. Stop digging yourself this hole. Stop saying that word. Stop doing this. This is not funny. Yeah. So these are the things that keep them awake at night. And and I understand that. Yeah, it's if he did just bad. apologize in the moment, he probably would have forgotten it by now. You know? Mm-hmm. And I have things like that, too, where it's like, why didn't I just, why did I keep up with that? You know, I could have just said, that was stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. And that's the week. We had no music for your weekend. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah except we had to listen to that Christmas song. Stupid, yeah, wonderful Christmas time. You don't have to listen to it. Oh. I turned it Trust off. me, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the first half a bar of that is plenty. Yep. Yeah. It seems, it seems like a dare. It's like, I'm going to make a Christmas song and... I dare you to play this. Like, if anyone besides Paul McCartney <laughs> does that song, like, is it ever played anywhere, like, even a family gathering? Or are you proud of your six-year-old for making a song like that? You'd be like, uh, maybe back to the drawing board on that one, little little Robbie. When do you decide you know? to put that on? When your headache isn't bad enough? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't feel annoyed enough. Yeah. Uh, with that, <laughs> we'll do a little housekeeping. <laughs> Uh, I think we've already done a pretty solid commercial for buying stuff from us. You can find all that at littlebreadbandwagon.com. Keep it up with the archive project. It's been 10 years of this show and hosts and management who have no idea what their history is, but we need to preserve it or else they are doomed to repeat it. So 2018 is a new year and plenty of opportunities for you to archive past years of TBTL. Email Christy or reach out on Facebook to let us know about that. We'd love to have you. Buy stuff on Amazon at littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. And now 
that we're through our holiday episodes and we've all seen what one another got for Secret Santa, we are overdue for an episode of going through the lists of all the stuff you bought. So we're looking forward to doing that soon. We want you to be a part of it. Take a listen to our friends over at Earbuds and Earworms. And if I remember correctly, the next episode is going to be uh, Girl Power songs, which using the word girl and girl power seems automatically a little insulting but it, whatever it is it is a little weird yeah so yep. i don't like go it. ladies go songs that also Thanks. sounds insulting <laughs> find us at littlebrightbandwagon.com and throwyourphone.com facebook twitter's lrb podcast email us at littlebrightbandwagon at gmail.com voicemails and text messages at 802-432-tbtl it's 802-432-8285 throw your phone moments for a little light this week because the episodes have been so delightful um mm-hmm. So that's not a complaint, but you can send us hugs to tell us the things you love. Uh, And with that, uh, Meredith, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. Happy New Year, Jen and Jason. Nailed it. Also, I do this podcast called TBTL. You can go to tbtl.net. That's five days a week, and it's just all anal sex talk. And we're about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary in a few weeks um, on TBTL. So uh, that's uh, it's amazing how far we've taken it just talking in graphic terms about anal sex.